Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Shalom Yudim, Shalom Lebenei Noach, Shalom Goyim. It's the evening of the fourth day, Erev Vav, Adar Beis, Parashas Vayikra, Tashin Pei Beis, 5782, the evening of the third day, Tuesday, 8 March 2022. You're listening to Phantom Nation, webcasting on Israel News, talkradio.com, coming to you from Israel, about to become one of the wounded, thanks to the monstrous Russian tyrant Vladimir, not Ivan the Terrible. Well, not in my eight decades has there been such a crisis impacting the whole world, really, including Israel now faced with hundreds of thousands of Jews likely to flee here who will have to find a, a, a place uh, when Israel is no longer a barren land uh, as it used to be. Uh, also in the mix of the influx will be likely many non-Jews who Israel has the right to deny permanent residence status to. Uh, only temporary residents, which surely will trigger world anti-Jews into claiming we are racist, fascist, imperialist bigots. Also in the mix will be non-Jews, that the non-religious founders of Israel rebranded Jews according to the decision of all people. <laughs> Hitler, big mistake, however well intended. Thanks to that huge mistake, Israel is home to hundreds of thousands of former Soviets who fit that category who at best have no interest in converting and at worst remain Russian Gentile anti-Semites. We will also uh, touch upon the menace of our perennial antagonists, Christians, uh, whose scripture is surely responsible for the murder of more Jews than Hitler's Mein Kampf. Today, uh, they do not preach mass murder, thank God, but preach the mass extinction of Jews uh, via converting them. Uh, the missionary's mission is to get all the Jews in the world to convert and therefore to stop believing as Jews because no Christian lives a Jewish life. Aside from Seventh-day Adventists and some other quirky sects, I think Christians don't even attempt to respect the Sabbath. Christians do not circumcise their baby boys. They don't refrain from eating pigs. They don't fast six times in the year and We'll also touch upon their soulmates, Reformed Jews, who, despite their rationalizations, are killing off the Jewish people via intermarriage as they simultaneously demand to be respected as uh, observing a legitimate form of Jewishness, which makes no sense. And we'll get started after the following message from Israel News Talk Radio. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com.
שלום ליהודים, שלום לבני נוח, שלום לגויים. It's the evening of the fourth day, ערבב באדר בייס, פרשה ספייקה, תשפ"ב, 5782, the evening of the third day, Tuesday, 8 March 2022. You're listening to Phantom Nation, webcasting on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, coming to you from Israel, about to become one of the wounded uh, at the hands of that monster, Putin. We are about to be, if the news today is accurate, uh, inundated with not tens, but potentially scores of thousands of refugees, not only from Ukraine, but eventually from Russia, because the sanctions that the world is placing on Russia should lead to a seriously crippled economy, and that will propel Jews and Gentiles to flee Russia altogether. In 1949, after the uh, second ceasefire here took hold, the very poor country of some 650,000 Jews was inundated by another 650,000 from uh, Arab lands, where their goy neighbors took out their anger and humiliation at losing to the miserable al-Yehud uh, in Israel on them. Jews in Morocco and Algeria and Yemen were pogromed in Egypt, Baghdad, the creme de la creme. In Morocco and Algeria, fled to France and to Canada. Uh, some in Egypt fled to England, but the bulk were not rich and were forced to leave behind whatever wealth they had. And so they entered Israel penniless and were housed in refugee camps called Marbarot. A generation later, when the communist dictatorship that uh, had taken over the Tsarist palace, the Kremlin, collapsed and proved, had proved to be a more cruel way of life, Uh, than before. I think a million Jews were finally able to escape that anti-Semitic society and come to Israel and, uh, and were a great addition to the country. And now again, more than 100,000 will flee to Israel thanks to Joe Stalin 2.0, <clears throat> another Russian monster. And I'm surprised and even upset that the best of the famous commentators have yet to reference Ukraine in the past as in the years 1932-1933. Uh, the following words are from the book jacket of a book called The Harvest of Sorrow by the late excellent uh, British historian of the Soviet Union, Robert Conquest. Uh, in that year, uh, quote, the Ukraine and Cossack and other areas to the east, a great stretch of territory with some 40 million inhabitants, was like one vast belson, close quote, referencing Bergen-Belsen, the infamous mass-murdering Nazi concentration camp. Continuing, quote, a quarter of the rural population, men, women, children, lay dead or dying. The rest in various stages of debilitation with no strength to bury their family members and neighbors. Well-fed police or party officials supervise the victims. This was the climax of Stalin's, quote, revolution from above, Uh, meaning a revolution made not by the poorest in the country, but imposed from above by the equivalent of uh, being what's known today as the woke, and I, I, the Communist Party leaders, a.k.a. the vanguard of the people, when, again, quote, Stalin and his associates crushed. Two elements seen as irremediably hostile to the regime, colon, the peasantry of the USSR as a whole, and the Ukrainian nation, close quote. In other words, what Putin is doing today to Ukraine is a variation on what Stalin did to Ukraine when he literally, back then, confiscated all the wheat from the peasants that they had grown, shipped it out of the country, and starved millions of those peasants to death. 
The videos coming out of Ukraine today are likewise horrifying. The Russians are bullying those who do not identify as Russians, whom the Russians insist are Russians when they don't see it that way. The shelling of apartment houses and, and reports of the shooting of Ukrainian children, which is likely a tactic meant to make the Ukrainians suffer so much they cry enough, we surrender. Israel's uh, Ministress of the Interior, Ayala Chaked, said on Monday that Israel will limit the number of goyim seeking asylum, using my word, of course, no modern Israeli ever uses that term. It's too Jewish, too religious. Several thousand refugees have already entered, They're coming from Ukraine, 90% of them, she said, not Jews. Israel was founded to provide a haven and a home for Jewish refugees, and since charity starts at home, Israel is asking for the non-Jews coming here to deposit $10,000 that they get back when they leave the country. Legally, they will be treated as tourists, but they will not be granted a permanent right to live here. I also heard the state is handing out to all the refugees, regardless of background, 15,000 shekels, or about $5,000 for their needs, spending money, until they find another country of refuge. She said, and rightly so, quote, there is no country that can open its doors to anyone who wants to enter without any limit, particularly not a country that is small, like Israel, close quote. Even so, the inundation will surely include non-Jews who fit the definition of Jew accepted by Israel's anti-religious founders. Foolishly and narcissistically, the infant state of Israel adopted the Nazi definition of a Jew, a person with one Jewish grandparent. The justification for trashing halacha and using the Nazi definition was that if a person suffered during the Holocaust as a Jew, even though he wasn't but was thought to be one, uh, this person will be entitled to citizenship, too, in this little country, which is effectively the size of Massachusetts, and filling up fast. When I first came here over half a century ago, there were some 2 million Jews. Today, there were almost 7 million. Likewise, the Arab population is like 10 times larger, and Israel has become crowded. Like any Western society at rush hour, it's a country of traffic jams. This wave of new Jewish refugees coming here will find it Far less easy, I believe, to settle in because of that fact. Of course, our woke foreign minister, Lapid, wants a maximum number of non-Jews to start living here. Likewise, Nachman Shai, minister of diaspora affairs, who called for canceling the deposit requirement and called it, quote, illogical and inhumane. And as always among contemporary liberals on the left, this his preferred policy is, is meant above all to reflect the virtue of the minister and his soulmates. And never mind the danger of diluting the percentage of Jews in this tiny state, which is what Israelis like Lapid want. This blind man who cannot see anti-Semitism for the unique satanic lunacy that it is. It was Israelis like him, employed by the Jewish agency in the 1990s, serving in the carcass of the USSR, who were happy to send on to Israel non-Jews in order to make Israel less uniquely a Jewish society and more of a multi-culty one. I remember one Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Independence Day, when the late Yossi Sarid, head of the nasty left Merits Party, published an advertisement in the newspapers congratulating Israel on its Independence Day and for being a, quote, proud and multicultural society. Likewise, my late friend, the New York City journalist Sidney Zion of Blessed Memory, who once told me that when in Israel he interviewed, at the time, the iconic Sabra Moshe Dayan, 
uh, who, when driving him around to see the sights, they passed on the road an Arab peasant on his donkey. And Dayan said he was glad to have an Arab population in Israel. He said he wouldn't want to live in a country only with Jews. Likewise, an ex-friend of mine, another New York Jew, who became a successful nationally known journalist, who became my ex-friend because of his politically correct hostility to Israel that I could no longer stomach, he too once told me he could never live in Israel for the same reason. He would not want, want to live only with Jews. And then there was an early Sunday morning TV program in New York City some years back whose guests were Rabbi Ephraim Buchwald and Reformed Rabbi Shira Stern, daughter of famous violinist Isaac Stern, who at one point blurted out over some difference between Orthodox and Reformed, quote, we don't want to live in a ghetto. And so in Israel, no less, the country is torn between those who want a truly Jewish society and those who don't. In this regard... It was uh, good last week that uh, Minister of Justice Giron Sal was advancing a new bill that will recognize the Druze community and, and make a commitment to preserving its characteristics and the protection of its holy sites. I've long been in favor of re rewarding the Druze with special status in Israel. It shouldn't be too difficult for the people of the book with a surfeit of lawyers, to come up with language that simultaneously preserves the state as the unique possession of the Jewish nation and bestows upon the Druze community a permanent special identity and leasehold. They serve in all the uniformed security agencies, in the army, the border guard, the police. They have given their lives for the Jewish state. There also has been uh, word, uh, however infrequent in recent years, of Israel's Christian Arabs who want the Ministry of Inter Interior to relabel them not as Arabs but Arameans because they don't identify with Arab culture. Arabic is their mother tongue. And so what? My mother tongue is English, but I'm no Englishman.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Yeah, Israel has become crowded. Uh, the prices of uh, housing have gone through the roof, and this current influx will likely have a tougher time than earlier waves of uh, Olim. At the same time, Arabs here with citizenship exposed themselves last May as Arabs no different uh, from the barbarians who throw rocks at passing cars who don't have citizenship, throw Molotov cocktails at soldiers and police. Predictably, uh, the mentally disturbed Jew haters in the world are saying this week that the Ukrainians have the right to attack Russian occupiers in their country, and so do the putatively prehistoric Palestinian people, which exposes not only their Jew hatred, but uh, unforgivable ignorance of the historical relationship between Jews and Muslims uh, since the 7th century. The relationship did not begin in 1948 or even 1917, year of the Balfour Declaration, or 20 years earlier in 1897 uh, when the first Zionist Congress came together in Basel, Switzerland. It began in the age of none other than Mr. Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib of the Quraysh tribe, far from Palestine in the Hejaz region of the Arabian Peninsula who founded Islam. No allegedly ancient Palestinian he... The uh, relationship is right there in the Quran. Numerous references refer to al-Yahud, whom the Quran says must be, quote, oppressed and humiliated, which is the way Jews lived under Islam for all those centuries until Israel was reborn. And the new relationship, Jews free of Muslim oppression and humiliation in their own independent state, has enraged the Muslims ever since. It's an insult to Islam. That is what the conflict here is all about. It has nothing to do with the alleged theft of Palestine from the phantom Palestinians. This place was a wasteland that we brought back to life. No Palestinians here ever. I highly recommend periodic visits to the Palestinian Media Watch website to read what Arabs today think about Israel, which is no different from what they have always said. Uh, it shows that the peace process of 1993 was a fake peace process. Israel remains 100% criminal. The Zionists stole Palestine from its indigenous nation in place for 5,000 years. That's what they teach in Palestinian Authority schools. And not only that, they teach that the Jews are 100% foreigners here who never had any connection to this real estate. In the Quran itself, the Torah of the Jews is dismissed as a plagiarized version of the Quran. <laughs> never mind, the Jews began living according to the Torah some 2,000 years before Mr. Muhammad was born let alone produce the Quran. Uh, but the Muslims have an explanation for that seeming discrepancy that's worthy of a thousand and one nights. And so on and so forth in Arab culture in which history is whatever you want it to be. The ynetnews.com website reported the other day that member of Knesset Sharon Haskell sent a letter to Ministress of Education Ifat Shasha Biton asking that she respond to a recent visit to the grave of Yasser Arafat pilgrimage, more like it, made by an Israeli Arab school principal and some teachers. Haskell protested that, quote, a visit to Arafat's grave constitutes support for a symbol of hatred of Israel and action against it at any cost, 
and even under a false guise of peace activities. This is even more serious when it comes to educators, whose role is to shape a peace-loving society and work against violence. She asked, quote, for harsh measures against these individuals involved because their visit is an expression of support for violence, quote, close quote. No disagreement from me on that. Three days running now. Policemen in Jerusalem have been sneak attacked with knives. One was seriously wounded, uh, one less seriously, and not so seriously he could not respond and did by slaying the attacker, which the MSM here likes to euphemize by saying the terrorist was neutralized, which can mean incapacitated or killed, which truth the Israeli MSM likes to hide because it's the woke thing to do. Another MSM behavior here is referring to the would-be murderer, murderers as terrorists, which likewise, uh, like neutralized, hides the truth. To begin with, the word terrorism is a stupid word because the behavior is not reflective of an ism. Isms are commonly a matrix of ideas and ideology. When there's no such ideology, preaching terror by implication for terror's sake, no one does that. Terror is a tactic, a means. Terror is great sudden fear the perpetrator wants to instill in his targets in order to get them to submit to his demands. No one preaches terror for the sake of terror. It's a tactic, and in this case, the ideology behind the tactic is Islam. Calling these Arabs with dives each day terrorists tells us nothing of their motivation. Likewise, there was an attempted vehicular homicide, a ramming attack, uh, last night. Uh, and commonly, the driver expects to be executed on the spot, and commonly, in his last moments, he shouts out, Allahu Akbar. Never long live Palestine. And the reason for that is, Palestine associates in Arab Muslim minds to nothing. These murderers have no, remember the Alamo in their culture, no, wait till you see the whites of the eyes, no, I regret I have but one life to give for my country. Palestinian history is a blank slate. What motivates these killers is Islam, the same ideology those 19 sky devils on 9-11 were on fire with, and that is why those Arafat alkalites in the Galilee paid a visit, pilgrimage, to the grave of Arafat, whose father established the mandatory Palestine branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, in whose youth group Arafat grew up, as did his fellow seven founders of Fatah. They were all Muslim brothers. In my book, Among Numerous Gems, the reader learns the following. In 1959, Nasser of Egypt proposed to the Arab League, uh, they all stopped calling the Arab refugees from the war against the Zionists, Arab refugees, which is what everyone in the world, including the Arabs themselves, called these people because they were mostly a mixed bag of migrant workers from all over the Middle East with nothing Palestinian about them. Nasser saw how the Muslims in Algeria at that very moment murdering Europeans to kick them out of the country rebranded themselves nationalist freedom fighters while still, still seeing themselves as Mujahideen, holy warriors. And so Nasser wanted to rebrand the Arab refugees from 1948 as al Qiyan al-Filastini, the Palestinian entity, to rebrand them a nation instead of a mulligan stew of Arabs from all over the Middle East. In response to Nasser's idea in the fall of that year, Arafat and his seven friends uh, did not want Nasser to lead the refugees uh, all seven had been products of the Muslim Brotherhood Youth Organization, and they came together in Kuwait and called themselves Fatah. And why that name? After much discussion, they did it to satisfy 
The half of the eight who wanted a political name like Algeria's Marxist terrorist group, the Front for National Liberation, versus the other half, Arafat's half, who wanted an Islamic name. And Fatah was chosen because it is the chapter title of Surah number 48 in the Quran and means conquest, and in conquest, and in context, conquest of the infidel, and because its consonants could be seen as a reverse acronym for PLO, Palestine Liberation Organization, not to be confused with the future PLO established in 1964 by Nasser to compete with Fatah that was co-opted and taken over by Arafat in 1969. In other words, the name Fatah calls to mind the Islamic symbol of the crescent moon we analyzed last week. It's a dead world that can only reflect the divine creativity of the sun whose light sustains the world. The crescent moon represents an object half visible, half hidden. The name Fatah is like a coin with two sides. One is a political idea, the liberation of a political entity called Philistine. But on the other side, it's the Quran, whose surah number 48 out of 114 glorifies lying to an enemy about wanting peace as a tactic in order to get him to drop his guard, then you strike. That is what the Arabs have been doing lately, every day, in knife attacks against policemen and soldiers and throwing rocks at passing Jewish cars. Yesterday in Jerusalem, the police, police arrested six Ishmaelites believed to be responsible for a series of rock-throwing episodes on the eastern side of our holy city. Several of those arrested are also believed to have thrown Molotov cocktails on Sunday at a detail of security forces on a mission. Yesterday, Monday, the police were expected to ask the court to extend uh, the time in jail for these six Arabs, and yours truly can only bemoan this behavior on Israel's part. Every one of those who attempts to throw rocks is attempting murder, and he should be criminally charged with that crime, uh, even if no injuries were reported. Better yet, Israel will strengthen its Jewish identity by passing legislation that licenses security forces the power after arresting such would-be murderers not to deposit them in a jail or a courtroom to await trial and be served by a lawyer, because these enemies do not recognize, they don't respect Israeli law in the slightest, and they should not enjoy the rights and privileges of a civilized citizen. What new legislation might do is license the security forces who apprehend stone throwers to take them immediately to one of the gates into the Gaza Strip and leave them there and tell them, tell the boy you have been expelled from the country uh, because uh, you are a conscienceless savage barbarian and you will never come back. We Jews are civilized in our born-again state, and we will no longer put up with your sick historical fantasies of Jews stealing this country from them when the ones who stole it from us way back when continue to steal it by preventing us from praying at our holiest site.
You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Speaking before, as usual, of the wild asses of anti-Semitic men here who are our neighbors, our mortal enemies, meaning enemies who murder us all the time, we in Israel are also under attack, in a different way, by Christians. Yesterday, IsraelNationalNews.com reported that an American missionary group is planning a mass baptism of Ukrainian Jews, refugees, you know, coming into the country from Ukraine, a country being destroyed by Joe Stalin 2.0. Uh, what is it with these Russians who cannot shed their medieval tendency to come up with national leaders who are monstrous tyrants, murderers, who rule not by virtue of their intelligence and wisdom and concern for the people, but the threat of murdering any and all enemies? The very name of this anti-Jew outfit exposes their anti-Jewism. They call themselves Chosen People Ministries. And there you have it. This is intellectual property theft. These Christian conmen uh, claim the title Chosen People when that title adheres exclusively to the Jewish people and to no other. These are Christians calling themselves the Chosen People. This is false advertising. This is the current tactic of anti-Jew Christians who want to see all Jews disappear. They want all Jews in the world to convert to Christianity and create a world without Jews, which was the same goal the Nazis had, albeit using a very different uh, strategy and methodology. The Nazis destroyed Jews wholesale. Christian missionaries work retail, one Jew at a time. This uh, news item says these enemies of the Jewish people who profess to love us so much, they yearn to save us from hellfire and eternal damnation. That is how much they love us when what they really want is a world without Jews. A couple of weeks back, the IDF chief of staff, Kochavi, sent a letter to the NGO Yad Lachim, which means a hand to brothers, uh, that rescues sad Jewish girls with very low self-esteem who marry an Arab and then sometime later discover they want out and they need help. This NGO also deals with the victims of predatory Christian missionaries who profess to love us when what they want is to spiritually, if not physically, kill another Jew's identity. IDF Chief of Staff Kochavi rightly and politely replied to a letter from the organization complaining of army bases being penetrated by missionary materials, which Kochavi agreed was unacceptable. Though outside of army bases, the army has no authority to prohibit the distribution of this material. And that is another defect in Israeli culture. Uh, it's produced by its defective Jewish identity. Israelis want to be members in good standing among the liberal democracies, which stand for freedom of speech and freedom of religion, when I think Israel has the right not to be counted among the nations on this score by passing laws prohibiting missionary activity altogether everywhere because the loss of every Jew is a loss to the Jewish people. Last century, we lost a third of our people, six million souls, slain by likely hundreds of thousands of homicidal goyim, surely over 70% of them, 90% of them, Christians. And it was not the first time Christians have slaughtered Jews big time. So we have a right to deny Christians the right to try to diminish the Jewish population here if only one at a time. 
Let me be clear, I sincerely have the greatest respect and affection for Christians whose religion turns them into good people, kind people, charitable people. Uh, I salute the creativity and achievements of Christendom. Uh, the Christians are, after all, the seed of Esau, Esau, Jacob's brother, whose moral defects aside also had praiseworthy qualities. I think in particular uh, of the American Christian community, which is the greatest in history in my opinion, for it does not seem to be obsessed with hating Jews and blaming us for all their problems. America is unique among the nations for its support for Israel, and that is an expression of American Christianity from day one. Read the letters to the Jewish people in America written by George Washington and Thomas Jefferson that embody a welcoming and respectful spirit, empty of all delusional hatred. American Christians in their sobriety also see in Israel political allies, and so they support Israel big time. The only feature of contemporary Christianity I find intolerable is this: uh, these dishonest missionaries who are, first of all, dishonest to themselves and thinking that getting a Jew to stop praying to an imageless God and getting him to start praying to the image of a 30-something man with a long beard and hair like a woman and an asexual robe, that's a good thing to do. And I say, no, it's not. Every Christian missionary who deludes himself into thinking he loves the Jewish people is a liar. In fairness to them, hostile Christian missionaries to the Jews are not unique. They are joined by hostile Jews. <laughs> For example, the crowd of so-called Reformed Jews who, on Friday, uh, the new moon, uh, not only disrupted the prayers of classical Jews at the Western Wall, Wall but violated its sanctity as never before because they finally have an MK who claims to be a rabbi, a Reformed rabbi, Gilad Kariv, who, using his immunity, carried a Torah scroll into an area it should not be in because uh, Reformed Jews have no sense of holiness and even rebel against the very concept. For example, the seventh day of the week. They never respect that. When the fourth statement of the ten God gave to Moses on two tablets, mistranslated by Christians as the fourth commandment, incised on those two tablets, uh, which uh, story, the whole story, uh, Reformed Jews dismiss as they teach in university departments of religion. It's folklore. It never happened. That fourth commandment requires respect for the seventh day when Jews, Reformed Jews, uh, do not do that. It's a commandment to make time itself holy. The Torah scroll is holy. The Western Wall is holy. The seventh day is holy. Which truth Reformed Jews do not respect? Uh, the Sabbath is a weekly reminder that everything that exists comes from God's handiwork, is God's handiwork. Everything is a creation. And we do that by refraining from our own godlike ability to create versus the Reformed Jew who does nothing to concretize this idea. The Torah, these neurotic Reformed women carry around in warm embrace, acting out their love of the scroll, but of course pay no attention to the words therein. And it's hundreds of commandments. The Torah demands, for example, that every morning... A man strapped onto his head a box uh, containing chapter 13 of the book of Exodus and a box uh, opposite his heart on his arm. Uh, the form don't do that. The first commandment ever to the Jewish people, even before the Israelites arrived at Mount Sinai, was to make a calendar in order to mark the holy days. 
we remember uh, every month uh, this, hap- this happening when we bless the new moon, uh, the instru- instrument of our national calendar. Reformed Jews do not even know such commandment exists. But above all, these haters of classical Jewishness are de facto like Christian missionaries by their deeds. They are enemies of the Jewish people because they raise children who are perfectly ignorant of the brilliance of the Jewish religion, and as a result, they marry non-Jews, which prohibition is rooted in the biography in the text of Abraham, the first Jew of all. Reformed Jews are killing off this people via marrying non-Jews, and as such, no intellectually honest Israeli government can authorize their presence at the Western Wall. Okay, that's it for this edition of Phantom Nation, generously sponsored by Floridians for the Safety and Security of Israel Institute that organizes great pro-Israel rallies in Miami. Uh, email is Floridians for Israel Institute. That's for Floridians for the number four Israel Institute, one strip, at gmail.com. The music you heard was by uh, David Gerwitz and by Yossi Azulai. And we conclude, uh, with, as usual, with Yosef Korduner. For those who want the full story of how the Muslims and anti-Jew Jews invented the Palestinians, buy my book, Phantom Nation, in hardcover on Amazon Kindle or Amazon Kindle. It's long, but many people say once you start reading, it's hard to put down because it is the best, most truthful and insightful book ever on the war against Israel. There are three other podcasts uh, that I do uh, each week, available via subscription at www.phantom-nation.com. So, uh, Lila Tove from the OJT, the Occupied Jewish Territories, I'm Shai Bentakoa. Elokim lo
If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 